Thank you for listening to the Christ the King Church podcast. We exist to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all of life. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctksensi.com. Morning, church. My name is Michael, and I am the lead pastor here. I'm really glad to have all of you with us today. And we're doing a series preaching through the Gospel of Luke. And we've arrived at Jesus' famous teaching about prayer, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to do something different. I told you about this last week, so I'll give you more detail. We're going to do something different. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to preach a sermon, but it'll be a little shorter. And we'll take the last 10 minutes of the preaching time, and we're going to devote that to praying together in groups of five-ish, five to seven, something like that. So... um, There are prayer guides in the seat back in front of you, and you can look at that whenever we get there. But those prayer guides have prayer prompts in them, and you can use those as we pray together, and you can pray with people in your group. And uh, these chairs are not all connected, so you can, you know, move your chair around and turn in a circle if you like uh, as we pray. And the prayer guides are uh, split up into three different sections. So there is a section called groups, and that section is uh, for, you know, praying in a group with other people that uh, pray together, and if you're comfortable praying out loud, then there's some prompts that, can, um, that you can follow. There's another section called individuals, and so uh, maybe you're one of those that you don't, you don't want to pray out loud. That's totally fine. Uh, or maybe you would just like to um, take that time and be alone. That's fine, too. Um, those prompts there are for you. You can read those, uh, meditate on the content of those prayers. Um, during whenever we get to that part. There's also a section for non-Christians, and if you're, if you're not a Christian or you're not sure, welcome. We're glad you're here. Our biggest desire uh, for you is to know Jesus Christ, and so um, you, we want you to be a part of our family. So uh, that is the section there is for you to read and reflect on uh, some truths that will prompt your heart to consider the gospel. Nobody is required to pray out loud, so if you're one, if you, just hear me on that, if you're, if you're not comfortable praying out loud, that's fine. So if you're in a group and all of you feel that way, it's totally cool to sit there quietly together. Um, so nobody, I don't want anybody to feel pressured to, to do something that you don't want to do. Um, but that's, uh, it's, it's a time just for us to set aside and pray together. One other thing, um, I've got, um, you good with that, the text I sent you? Thank you. I sent way to text last minute. <laughs> um, I have two people that will be available to pray with you. If anybody during this time would like to come and have somebody pray for you, uh, Gina Smith uh, will be here and Wade Thomas will also, they, they both have name tags on. Uh, well, this is high, so it's a, it's a high tag, not a name tag. It's a high tag. But um, come and see, and they'll be up in this area, so just come up here and um, whichever one of the two seems friendlier to you, um, you can uh, tell them how they can pray for you. Uh, one other thing, I'm making sure I hit all the details here. Um, while you're praying together, if praying together with other people that lights a fire in you, praise God, we have a weekly prayer time that uh, is on Zoom on Thursday mornings at 6.30, and it is, um, it's, all, it's, it's, it's become like uh, an extra city group, um, really, because it's a handful of people, and we, we, we uh, read a psalm, and we pray together, and it's, it's, just a, it's a really sweet time of fellowship also. Um, so it's on Zoom, Thursday mornings at 6.30, and on the public, the weekly email, or on 
our website. You can find out information about that. Okay. I heard a woo for the prayer call, and I amen that woo. All right, so let's begin our time by standing together and reciting the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to be talking through Luke's version, but the prayer that we're going to recite, this is the traditional version from Matthew's Gospel in the King James. Okay, so this is the one that we'll be praying, we'll, we'll just recite this together, um, and then we'll, we'll go get into our sermon. Let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, let's dig in. Luke's version. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. This is God's word. The context of the Lord's Prayer is a question that his disciples asked him. And his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Evidently, they were inspired by John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist had taught his disciples to pray. And when they saw Jesus praying, they thought, we want to learn how to pray too. So, Lord, teach us to pray. So, essentially, prayer is talking with God. It's, it's, it, in, in one sense, it's very simple. It is talking with God. But it often, uh, and often whenever we pray, we, we just present our requests to him. We ask God's help in some way. And so Jesus taught them to pray by giving them words. He says, when you pray, say. Now, that doesn't mean that's the only way to pray. But he's saying, here is a model. Here is a, a model of prayer. Luke's version is a little shorter, but the essential content is the same as the one that we're probably more familiar with, Matthew's version that we prayed. The content is the same, but just Luke doesn't use as many words. So it's a model prayer, and this model prayer contains the basic priorities, the basic themes of a healthy Christian prayer life. Now, the fact that Jesus told us to say these words, it means that this prayer comes directly from the heart of God. You can pray it every day. You can take the Lord's Prayer, you can pray it every day, you can memorize it. Uh, I imagine for many of you, it, it, it may be pretty familiar to you. You can pray it often. And so the Lord's Prayer can be a starting point uh, for other prayers. You can use it as little uh, buckets in your mind that you can fill with more content as you, as you pray uh, yourself. And over the next five weeks, each week, you can think of it as a bucket. So today we're going to talk about hallowed be your name. This is a bucket where you can put all of your praise, all of your adoration, all of your, your joy and delight in God himself. You can put that in this bucket. And next week I'll give you a different bucket. And there's five buckets that you can just fill with your prayers. You can use this as a model of prayer for your own prayer life. 
So you could take each of these petitions and build on them and let your heart and the Holy Spirit take you uh, to places and, and fill it out. So what, what I want to teach you in this series is uh, how to take each petition and what, what is in, what, what content is part of that petition that you can, in your own prayer life, you can fill it out. The first petition is, Father, hallowed be your name. Father, hallowed be your name. Jesus begins prayer with God. He acknowledges who he's talking to. So the first thing out of Jesus' mouth is, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, it might seem obvious, but prayer is all about God. And it begins with an acknowledgement of who he is. So, Father, hallowed be your name. The five words, Father, hallowed be your name. Five words. That's the sermon today. Five words. Uh, the first word is Father, the word Father. Jesus taught us to address our prayers, not merely to God, but God as we know him. And we know him not merely as God, but we know him as God who is our Father. That's different. Matthew's version says our Father, so it's a collective thing. But it's a relationship. So whenever we pray, we're not merely praying to a higher power, right? We're not merely praying to the man upstairs. Our prayers are addressed to a father. There is a relationship because our God is a personal God who draws near to us in love and in mercy and who wants us to draw near to him. And that means something because who he is is an infinitely holy God. And we're approaching an infinitely holy God. And we as sinful human beings, we're approaching someone who... If he was not our father, and if we did not know him through Jesus Christ, the son, in grace and mercy, we would, be, we would be shattered and undone completely because we are sinful. But because of his grace, we approach him as father. We know him as father. He invites us to come near to him. And so praying to God at all is the unique privilege of his children. And of course, God is the creator of every person. God is the creator of everything, and he's the creator of every human being. But we don't pray our creator, which made heaven. We pray to our Father because there is a relationship. Prayer is your unique privilege as a Christian, as a son or daughter of God. And only Christians, we're the only ones who know God as Father. How is that? Well, we know God as Father because Jesus Christ is what? He is the only begotten Son of the Father. And our faith is in Jesus Christ. So throughout the New Testament, you'll see this phrase, we are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So you, by your faith in Christ, you are joined with Jesus Christ, who is the Son. And so whenever we pray to the Father, we're praying on the basis of our faith in God's one Son. So God is not the Father of every human. God is the Father of those who are in the Son. And so our, of his fatherhood to us and our sonship or daughtership, I don't know if that's a word, but our, 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 our family relationship with God is on the basis of our faith in the Son. So John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, those are Christians, who believed in his name, that's our faith, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, that's just being a created person, that's a human being, who not born of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, 
That's everybody. But of God, that's Christians. We are the ones who can come to God, approach him as father, and pray. And he invites us to pray. Father, father, we can pray to him as father. So if you're a Christian, that means that you are in Christ, who is the son. And on the basis of your faith in Christ, you are a son. You are a daughter of God. And he is your father. True prayer is the unique privilege that you have of the sons and daughters of God. It is a blood-bought gift of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's the kind of father we have. We can draw near. He's close. He's familiar. He knows all of our fears. He knows all of the things that we're worried about. He knows all of the things that we need. He knows all the things that keep you up at night. And he cares about every one of them. Luke chapter 11. So this is a little bit later in the same chapter. Jesus says, what father among you If his son asks for a fish, well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And by saying the Holy Spirit, he's saying he gives himself. And if he gives himself, then all the blessings of being a son or daughter of God come with it. That's what he gives us. God is a good father. He invites us to pray. And we can pray to him raw, honest. We can give our hearts to him because we're his kids. He loves us. Father. Hallowed. Second word. Hallowed. Hallowed is not a common word. We don't really use it that often. It means something like holy, sacred, consecrated, revered, sanctified. It's it's this lofty, high kind of word. And so as soon as the word father escapes Jesus' lips, he follows it up with an expression of complete reverence. It's like the fifth commandment in reverse. You know, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Well, if we honor our earthly father and mother, how much more should we honor our heavenly father? I guess it's not the fifth commandment in reverse. It's fifth fifth commandment to the ultimate, right? It's the fifth commandment to the ultimate. We honor our heavenly father just as in some proximate way we honor our earthly fathers and mothers. But even more directly, it's an application of the third commandment through prayer. The third commandment is about showing reverence to God's name, but the third commandment is framed in the negative. So here's the third commandment. This is of the Ten Commandments. Here's number three. Exodus 27. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord your God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, obviously, we don't ever want to use, invoke God's name as a curse, and it's, it's forbidden here. So, you know, whenever I, whenever I watch TV or movies or something like this, I'm, I can be a little hard of hearing sometimes, and I don't understand what's going on. So I, uh, if, if there's subtitles, I always turn the subtitles on. 
And one thing that, that strikes me when I see it on the, when I watch on the subtitles is uh, the frequency with which God's name is invoked in vain. And it's, uh, it's like you see it, it's like all the time. So it's, uh, it, and, and even how often Jesus Christ explicitly is mentioned. And almost never with reverence and almost always as some kind of curse or expletive. And so it could be something that seems kind of innocuous, like, oh my God. It's like saying it that way. It's like, that's, that's irreverent. It's an irreverent use of invoking God. Or Jesus Christ. You ever hear that? Jesus. I mean, that's the name of our Lord. And so often you see it, you see it written on the screen. I just see Jesus Christ. And I'm like, it's like, it's right there in the script. And somebody says, Jesus Christ, who's who's not part of the story. Jesus is not one of the characters in the plot line, but his name is invoked in this disrespectful way. Um, whenever I took Spanish in high school, I remember like, Dios mio. It's like, it's like oh, they do it in Spanish, Spanish too. It's like, it's, it's, it's something that is not just in the, part of our English language. This, this casual invoking of God's name without really the proper reverence that is his due. Now, when I'm, when, whenever the Bible talks about not taking the Lord's name in vain. It's not merely referring to cussing. It's not, that's not the only way to do it. I mean, there are many ways that the Lord's name can be taken in vain, but and it certainly includes this sort of casual throwing out God's name on our lips. So we should never disrespect God's name like that. We should show more respect. It's like we, we show more respect to the checkout girl at White Castle than we do the Lord Jesus Christ. Or Almighty God. God's name is sacred. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, reverent, sanctified, holy, glorious, exalted, revered. That is his name. And so we approach a holy God, even though he is our father and he's close and familiar, he is still an eternal Lord, the sovereign king. And we approach him with the utmost reverence. And so as, as we come to God in prayer, Jesus teaches us to come to him as father, because he is, but to come to him with reverence, because we should. I heard R.C. Sproul say this once. Uh, he says, whenever you pray, the two most basic rules of prayer are this. Remember who you are and remember who you're talking to. Remember who you are and remember who you're talking to. So remember who you are. That means like you're not God. We are not God. God is God. We are his children. And we, so we're a creature. And prayer is not a conversation between peers. It is not a fireside chat amongst equals. We are the creatures speaking to our sovereign creator, our almighty God, and our father. And then remember who you're talking to. And nothing will condition your prayer life more deeply and powerfully than remembering the God, who he is that you're in conversation with, and to remember what a privilege it is that you are invited to converse with him and to do so on the basis of your family relationship with him. He is the sovereign. He is the monarch. He is immortal, invisible, God-only wise. That's who we're praying to. Queen of England died this week, if you didn't know, uh, breaking news. Queen of England died earlier this week. And I think there's still some vestiges of reverence that is 
um, that you could see. Not, not everywhere, and there's a lot of irreverence, but it seemed like there is still some sense of reverence that people have held towards the queen and just this, the pomp and the, the majesty of the British monarchy. And so there was this thing online, um, I, didn't, I, I didn't see it myself, but you know, Laura told me about it, and then I looked up a story of it, but where there's this, this story of some American tourists, you may have seen this this week, where they, uh, they, they were visiting England and they didn't really know much about England, and so they were hanging out in Scotland near where the Queen's summer home is. And so somehow they were out and walking in this area and the queen was also walking in this area and her bodyguard was, uh, was with her. And these tourists, American tourists, I, mean, I can totally an American thing to do. They're just kind of walking around and they just kind of casually stroll up to the queen and they just like uh, had no clue who she was. They just thought that she was some old lady is hanging out here with this other fella. And uh, so they're just kind of talking to him. And uh, they're like, so uh, I know the queen's got a house around here. You ever, you ever met the queen? Um, and they asked the, this woman, asked the queen, like, have you ever met the queen? And she said, well, no, but uh, my bodyguard has. He meets with her quite often. And they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So they started asking, her, or asking him questions. So they asked him, so, so, so what's the queen like? And he says, well... She could be cantankerous at times, but, but generally, she's got a good sense of humor and a warm heart. And so they literally, so they're kind of more enthralled with this bodyguard guy. So they ask the queen to take their picture with the bodyguard. So they're hanging out with the bodyguard, and then they kind of switch it around, and then he takes a picture of them with the queen, and then they stroll off, having never realized they just met the queen. It's insane. And so the queen later remarked to the bodyguard, she's like, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they show these pictures to their friends back in America. (laughs) How do you think these tourists would feel if they knew she was the queen? And they saw her over there, they'd be like, it's the queen. Oh my gosh, chills go down their spine. I mean, they would, they would have a, it would totally change the way that they felt about talking to her. That's reverence. What if they saw her in her palace, you know, with her crown or dressed in all the pomp of, of the monarchy? Certainly they'd be much more aware of her, but they would also be much more aware of themselves. It would, it would, it, it's, whenever you meet somebody that is just kind of, kind of really important. It's like it just, I think, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but for me, I tend to get more self-conscious. You know, it's kind of more of aware of myself when I'm around, when I'm around somebody that's really important. We see a, a great example of the sort of response like this in the book of Isaiah, where he saw a vision of the Lord in the temple. Let me just read this to you. This is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. 
So that's what he sees. That's God. And that's God. The God that we call Father. That's God. That's who he is. And Isaiah, for this brief moment, was able to see something of who God really is. And after he saw it, what did he do? And I said, woe is me. For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So I'm bad, but everybody around me is bad too. <laughs> For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's aware of his distance from God. He's aware of who God is. High, lifted up, exalted, holy, glorious. And in his, his vision of God, he was also aware of himself and how, how, how small and sinful he was. Then one of the seraphim flew to me. So this representative from this glorious God drew near to Isaiah. Having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for. This is the God that we call Father. He is not merely this abstract presence of glory and power floating off in space somewhere in some nebula that can only be seen by the Hubble telescope. He made all that, and he's there too. But we have the privilege to call that God Father. So to put it in crayon, show some respect. When you pray, pray with respect. He is Father. Yes, he's Father. But he's also God. He's glorious Lord. Have respect. He's familiar. He's tender and near. But we can never forget that he's still God. He is the sovereign king, ruler, creator, eternal Lord over all. That's our God. Last three words. Be your name. Father, near, hallowed, glorious, exalted. Be your name, who he is. In the biblical sense, your name was more than what people called you. It's not like his God could have been Fred, but, well, we happen to know him as Yahweh, but it could have been Fred, you know. No, it's like his name is Yahweh, and that represents who he is. The uh, Hebrew grammar geniuses, they don't quite know what it means, but it's, it's like some form of the verb to be, but it is not quite... It, we're not quite able to represent it. So it could be the God who is. It could be I am who I am. It could be something representing his eternality. But it's, it's, it's built on that verb to be, but it's, it's who he is. It's like I am that I am. It's, it's who God is. And so it's not merely what he's called, but it's his identity. And we, we experience this too because we want to have a good name, right? It's like a good name means a good reputation. So, uh, Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. 
So your name was your reputation. And you wanted to have a good name because honor and respect comes along with a good name. And likewise, a bad name is a bad reputation. So bad name means that there is shame and dishonor and reproach that is associated with your name. And you wanted to avoid that. So in the Jewish tradition, they would not even speak the name Yahweh. That was, their, that was a way that they would show reverence. They wouldn't even speak it. So whenever you're reading along the Hebrew Bible and you see the, you know, the Hebrew equivalent of Y-H-W-H, you would not say Yahweh. You would say Adonai. I remember I took Hebrew in seminary. Um, I would see my little Hebrew card. I'm like, okay, that's Yahweh. And I turn it over and it says Adonai. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what it says. But yes, that is what it says. Because my Hebrew professor would not speak the name Yahweh. He was, he was a wanted to follow that Jewish tradition. But in Scripture, it's much more than that. God's name is bigger than what he goes by. It's bigger than his reputation. It is who he is, the name. If you ever want to do a deep dive on something, just search uh, in the Bible for the name or the name of the Lord. It's not the thing we call God. It is referring to his identity. So the name of God is God himself. And when we're invoking his name, we're invoking his person, the three in one. So this is our God. This is the God we pray to, who is holy, lifted up, lofty, and high, but he's also as near as our own skin. His father is close. And then the strangest irony, the greatest way that this God has seen fit to lift up and hallow and magnify and glorify his own name is through the shame of the cross. So the infinite glory of God inhabited a human child who grew into a man who lived a perfect life, but he was despised and rejected by his own people. He was betrayed by a friend and he hung on a cross and he died. He was buried in a tomb. And there he remained for three days until God raised him from the dead. Therefore, Philippians 2 says this, God has highly exalted him. He restored him to the place of highest honor and bestowed on him what? The name that is above every name, the highest and most glorious name, so that at the name of Jesus, now Not just Yahweh, but Jesus Christ is the focus of the name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is no creature in heaven or in hell that will not bow the knee to Jesus Christ as Lord over all. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray together. So in just a second, I'll say go. There'll be some music that'll come up. And we'll pray together to this God. Feel free to move your chairs around, gather together. Groups of five or seven or 20, I don't care. Just groups of uh, however you like. Or sit alone if you prefer. That's fine too. If you would like to receive prayer, friendly people with smiling faces and name tags will be up here. Come up and they will pray with whatever need you have. And we'll pray for about 10 minutes. And at the end of this, uh, Jason can come up and will lead us in communion. Let's pray. 
We are Christ the King Church. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctkcincy.com.